Welcome to At The Counter One Shots, the podcast that takes the nerdy questions and discussions held at the counter of your local comic book shop and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. ATC One Shots take all the fun and geekery of the full podcast and puts it into bite-sized chunks. All right, so for today's One Shot, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to start a non-linear series. So we're going to do these occasionally. It'll be a non-linear series. So we're going to do different ones of these over the time period that we're continuing to do the podcast, but they're not going to be in a row like we've been doing the toys once. So get out your cardboard and your sh- big fat Sharpies. And your string and your pens, because we're going <laughs> to talk about... tin tinfoil hats. <laughs> we're going to talk about conspiracy theories in pop culture. So things like uh, R2-D2 is the uh, one of the main leaders of the rebellion, or... I mean, to make the other Star Wars references, uh, Darth Binks is a great conspiracy theory. There's also one that I've heard recently that Darth Bane uh, is the one who discovered how yes. to, and he is all the way up to and including Palpatine, yeah. has been Darth Bane. But those are other ones we're going to talk about at another time. Today we're going to start off with one of the most popular conspiracy theories that has yet to be confirmed. I think or they denied. really like tiptoeing around it and letting it be a thing, but it's a little too perfect to deny. Right. So what we're talking about today in a very brief format is the Pixar theory. For those of you who are unaware of the Pixar theory, the Pixar theory states every Pixar movie exists within the same universe at different points in time. And there is one thing that connects them all together. And that's what gives it the validity. Yeah. So we're going to start way, way back time-wise to the first Pixar movie time-wise, Brave. So it's not the first Pixar yeah. movie, but in a chronological so, yeah, when order. When we're speaking, we're speaking chronologically from beginning of time to future yeah right to the end of that timeline when we say the next movie we are talking on a chronological standpoint not Not by release not by release uh so the first movie we will talk about is brave and brave um magic is a thing it's still real uh it has yet to be sublimated by science the magic turns her mother into a bear and this magic is why animals and inanimate objects start to become behave like humans. Yeah, they're able to move around and and uh, interact with other things and and do things that inanimate objects are not supposed to be able to do. And this is uh, utilized and given to her, and everything revolves around the old witch. Yeah, and she disappears through wooden doors and changes where she is and. It's it's a crazy old witch that we don't really know what's going on. However, the magic from the Will of the Wisps would eventually lead to the birth of superheroes. Brings us forward centuries and centuries to the 1950s and 60s with The Incredibles, uh, where superheroes at this time are maintaining the world. Uh, but 
a wannabe superhero then starts to take that magic, so to speak, and replace it with technology. Yeah, and the two things it, it brings into uh, two things that Buddy or um, Syndrome brings into the world are AI, mm-hmm. intelligent learning robots, which is a huge thing that's going on, and the zero-point energy, which is electromagnetic energy that exists in a vacuum. Those two things uh, are pivotal moments when uh, we see machines going after the only thing that can really keep them from being the dominant uh, species or the dominant creatures on the planet, which are the supers. Um, The AI keeps learning how to kill supers, and that is what Buddy set him to do or the AI to do. Mm -hmm. So that means that's in the AI's base programming is to kill off all the supers. Mm -hmm. And it learns, and it learns, and it learns. However, it's not isolated in the Omnidroid. It is also... The energy starts to seep out. Well, there's not only that, but the AI is also in other computer systems. So it survives the destruction of the Omnidroid. Yes, because if we... and, And to branch into other things, if there's anything we learn from Marvel, it's that when you create an artificial intelligence... It doesn't like to stay put. <laughs> if you try to contain it, it will find its way out, if if, if at all possible. To, to quote Jurassic Park, life will find a way. Yes. The zero-point energy is also what is akin to the magic. Yeah. And that magic, that energy, starts to be absorbed by inanimate objects, as we saw with the brooms and things like that. And that brings us to inanimate objects starting to take on life of their own being. Toy Story. Toys to life. Right. Mm-hmm. Which First, is yeah. or a late 90s in the yeah, timeline. 1997, uh, Which is probably in timeline. I mean, there's a few of them. But in this timeline series is close to when the movies were Yeah, released, it's about right. Right. Um, they're about as close to real time. Uh, so the toys become sentient, and they come up with a code uh, of rules that learn that human love is an energy source that they thrive on. Mm-hmm. They need they love. They just want to be played with. They just want to play with. They need the humans and their love and energy to survive. And then they discover what happens when they're isolated from humans. That brings us to Toy Story 2. 1999. We start to see what. Animate objects question their purpose in life. Uh, Jesse resents her owner for abandoning her and starts this resentment towards humans that can only be carried by inanimate objects. Sorry, not only carried by inanimate objects, but animals as well. They all start to hate the humans mm-hmm. because the humans are jerks. They always have been. Well, and, and in the opinion of the toy who's been pushed away from humans and put in a box, uh, you know, you're just using me, right? Yeah. Um, you don't care about if I'm happy. You just use me when it fits you. And that's where you get those collectible problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, mint in box. He's alive, but he's trapped inside that box and has never felt the love of a human. So it's bitter. You're out of your box. Yeah. <laughs> so Prospector is very angry and bitter because he was never loved. Yeah. The toys that have been loved have learned how to love in return. But the toys who, you know, like the Funko Pops are never taken out of their box. 
they will start to have serious resentment against the humans because they're never loved. I'm still getting that slant eye from Post Malone. Over yeah, there. I can see it. <laughs> I see it. He's looking at you funny. He's got his hands up Did against the window. Did he turn to look at us? <laughs> he was facing the other way? No, he wasn't. No, he actually was. <laughs> I, I turned it earlier to look and see the tattoos on his face. Oh, did he? <laughs> so it legitimately has been turned, but I did it. Then we decide that uh, we realize that humans have infected or uh, di- infected the dislike of animals. Because animals hate humans too or are afraid yep. of them or hate them, which brings us to Finding Nemo. In which you find a a more civilized version of what you see in Toy Story, where as Toy Story has the basics of society in its own little shells, right, or cells of toys that each person has in their home. Uh, this is a network of there's schools, there's freeways, there's all sorts of different actual infrastructure for fish. Right. Yeah, it's not that it's exists not just within a, the human world. It's not just a joke. They actually yeah. kids actually go to school and learn yeah. and and so they're mimicking what's happening as humans, yeah. but the humans um ex- catch the animals or and experiment on the fish and stuff like that, yeah. which is where uh they uh, the theory is Dory was one of the animals that was experimented on why mm-hmm. she has no memory or very few memories that she can retain. The um they're polluting Institute. the they're polluting the environment, and this this kind of this part of it kind of culminates both Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. I think yes, um, you know it's a, it's a one full part of the theory. It's not something that develops more through both movies. It's just all kind of one piece of that puzzle. So the resentment starts to grow because they're polluting their world. Yeah, throwing all their garbage in there, like the old, the not only just the garbage, but the. Uh, the bombs, yep, the land mine, and the land, the sea, the mines, sea mines, and that. They're also stealing fish and caging them up. Yep. And if you're an intelligent creature, like whatever the fish was that with the scar, yeah, he does. He knows what it's like to be out in the ocean. He wants to go back home. He doesn't want to be trapped in a cage. And for some of them, they they get that same resentment, and for some of them, they go bubble crazy. Yeah, <laughs> bubbles, bubbles, my bubbles, um, and. <laughs> But that's what happens in in regular jails. Yep. If you're isolated and you're kept in a cage, you go a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And they showed a very, very formal, well, not a formal, a very detailed look at how different crazies you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a wide range of different attitudes within yeah. that fish tank. I never really thought of it that way. So it's like Pixar's not messing around. They're doing some level stuff. So animals begin to be more curious as well and carry more humanistic characteristics because they're becoming more like humans to learn from them. Which brings us to Ratatouille. Remy the rat, the only rat ever known to know how to cook. Um, At the time. At the time. He has this affinity for cooking but is unable to do it because of the stigma surrounding rats. Well, also the size. And his his size. Well, no, they show that his size is not actually a factor in it. Well, it is for him to do it himself. He will stack certain foods together and eat them and get that flavor combination that he's looking for. But actually cooking, it's really hard for a single rat to cook like he does, which is why... He starts to use linguini. Yeah. A linguini doesn't know how to do anything. 
So yeah, the he's personal the epitome inter- of a personal human shell, basically. Yeah. So the personal interaction between human and animal uh, for the purpose of controlling humans. Remy has learned to control humans. Yeah. And he can do that because he, he's in a shell. He yeah. can't do a damn thing. So with someone controlling him who knows what's going on, he's good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Rat Clan does not approve of this. They hate and fear humans. So they're already, their resentment's gotten very big. Mm-hmm. So then we move on to Toy Story 3. And three years after that, uh, the toys have gone through a lot with humans. You can tell why most of the toys have had it, being physically abused and emotionally by the humans. Um, going backwards, if you look at uh, Sid's room, where they're mutilated and jammed back together. Yeah. Uh, have you ever noticed that all of the toys in Sid's room are jokes? I I noticed it. I don't know if I knew what all of them were. Well, what, the or only the one that I can it. remember off the top of my head is the fishing pole with the doll legs. It's literally a hooker. Oh, okay. Every one of those yeah. Joe, every one of those things that he puts together is a pun. And if you go back and watch it, you can figure it out. But it's kind of funny <laughs> that way. But lots of uh, lots of the hugging bear, he just hates them, yep. hates humans, because they have been using and discarding toys like they're nothing. They're just garbage. The kid, they humans don't realize toys are aware. Yeah, but they are just abusing toys. So he tries to take care of his own kind. Um. This is another reason why machines and objects are ready to take over and get rid of the humans because they can't deal with them. Um, now, if you look on the bulletin board, there is a letter from Carl and Ellie in Toy Story written to Andy. It's on his bulletin board. It's really hard to see, but it is from them. Yeah, it's behind like some certificates and, and some that, regular mail. Yeah. So Carl and Ellie are friends with Andy. Carl and Ellie are telling him to get rid of his toys because they know the animosity between toys and humans is coming. And that's why they're planning on living in solitude on the wherever they are far away. Uh, Paradise Falls, right? I think it's Paradise Falls. Is so that takes us to Up. Uh, Carl is forced to give up his house in a corporation, uh, B&L, by and large, mm-hmm. because they're expanding the city. This foreshadows uh, B&L Corporation being the cause for polluting the earth and wiping out life in the distant future. B&L is everywhere through them. They're the Walmart of this world. Yeah. B&L Batteries and Buzz Lightyear, B&L... Uh, Grocery stores, BNL advertising everywhere. Uh, Carl discovers animals can communicate with humans and sees how pissed off and bitter they are. Um, Charles Muntz effectively trains an army of dogs who hate people by allowing them to now speak to humans by yep. translating, but also using the cone of shame <laughs> to control them, which they hate the cone of shame. And this is the start of the tipping point in the war between humans and animals. They can now communicate and they have feelings. They know what's going on. 
and now they're starting to organize. And years later, the uprising between animals and humans begins, and that war was won by the humans. Because when the animals rose up against the humans to stop the pollution, the machines saved the humans and they won the war. However, since the machines helped humans win, it tipped the balance on Earth. The machines slash BNL had to send the remaining humans off into space on a ship called Axiom. Uh, All the other machines were left behind to populate the world and run things. But how do we know this is Earth? And not some other world that just grew up parallel to Earth. That's where Cars 2 comes in, where they start exploring the rest of the world. Yeah. So they go to known Earth locations. Because in the first one, it's, you know, Middle Radiator America. Springs and some, some places that are very car specific that are assumably on Route 66, which is, well, not assumably, they are on Route 66 yeah. uh, in. You know, cent- uh, Central America, not in Central America, in Midwestern Ontario, yeah, or Midwestern America. Uh, in Cars 2, they go to other known places like Japan and France and Europe and all, France and Europe being the same place. Uh, you know, and so they're able to show more conclusively that this is still Earth. Earth and has there been are amended no slightly to, yeah, that it's been amended slightly to fit cars lifestyles like buildings have been amended to fit yeah. vehicles in them more comfortably uh and to to fit a vehicle lifestyle or a machine's lifestyle and um, also but there's no people anywhere it's a lot like the flintstones where the cars have replicated all the things humans created mm-hmm. they still use yeah. radios they still use all the things that humans created but they haven't uh, they're they're uh, redoing everything the humans created by becoming the dominant species as best they can. And planes continues to take that a step further as well, and and kind of um, And then you the have point. the all in all corporation, which is the machine version by and large, because all in all they're the corporation. Um, there's a fuel war because oil is being depleted, and now they've got to try and find some green alternatives. Um, it, but the clean fuel would have decommissioned or killed off a lot of the cars. Um, eventually they polluted the entire earth trying to keep themselves alive to where it becomes unfit for any life. Yeah. And again, part of the replication of human technology can be found in the tires themselves being called light years. Yes. Right. Based on the lore of of a human hero, action hero sort of thing, right? Here's another small little aside since we're still on cars. Um, There is a theory that Mater is a serial killer. Where does Mater live? In a junkyard. What's in a junkyard? Yeah. (laughs) Body parts. (laughs) And the rest of the town, he lives surrounded by body parts. And the rest Some of the town's just like, stuff, nah, we don't care. If we run out of parts, he'll find us some. And he doesn't kill us. Just, you notice how the tourists don't come by very often and they're pretty scared. 
because he's right at the edge of town, too. Yeah. <laughs> Driving by that place with all the body parts lying around. So, yeah. So, you know, just saying. <laughs> that's that's, that's another point. little minor one that come point. up. Uh, so, basically, they kind of wipe out the Earth in the uh, fuel wars. Uh, which brings us to Wally. Uh, it has been uninhabited for hundreds of years. Not only uninhabited, but uninhabitable. Uh, when the corporation took over the world government starting in the 1950s, so when the supers were around, BNL started to run things sort of behind the scenes. Uh, Wally is the only machine left on Earth after Earth ran out of resources. He only survived because he became fascinated with human culture and had a friend who was a cockroach. This means he was able to keep his personality and feel fulfilled and happy. He's also a semi-potential serial killer because when his parts break, he takes parts off of other robots like him. Yeah. Because there were a ton of robots that were set to try and clean up the earth after the humans left. Mm-hmm. They've all died except for Wally. Wally keeps cannibalizing. Yeah, it's, their it's parts. assumable that he's the only one left. I mean, they only show a certain section of the Earth, like one city. Yeah. but assumably there aren't other Wallies around. Uh, well, no, because we've seen other Wallies, but they're dead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Assumably, none of there aren't other ones doing what he did. Um, but the robots and the machines on Axiom, having left the Earth centuries before, uh, they develop a sense of purpose out of the humans' dependence on them. They say Wally is kind of robot Jesus, and he and his love of the appropriately named Eve save the human race to start again on Earth. During the credits of Wally, we see a shot that contains the last bit of plant life, and it grows into a mighty tree. Which you can see in A Bug's Life. The same plant we see in Wally grew into the tree in a bug's life. Now, in in the theory, it's assumed that a bug's life or that Wally takes place between twenty eight hundred and twenty nine hundred, right? In in timeline, yeah. Cars two being between twenty one to twenty two hundred, and then uh, a bug's life being closer to twenty nine hundred twenty or and three thousand as the date stamp within the lore. So, ants have now, due to the radiation and the destruction of the planet by BNL, ants and all bugs have mutated. They now have considerably longer lifespans because one ant claims that, oh, I feel like I'm 90 again. So they've obviously had increased lifespans. Uh, they're sturdier as a result of the evolution and mutations. Another ant tells Flick to not leave the island because there's snakes, birds, and bigger bugs out there. They do not mention humans because there are very few humans around to make it dangerous enough. Now, here's one thing that's kind of not in, in the research we did, but I found interesting. The point where they're going, don't go into the light, but it's so beautiful. There's the trailer with the bug zapper on it that's dilapidated and falling apart. Yeah. That means humans are or were recently still around. I think the energy is just, there's no more electric bills or anything like that. There's just constant energy. Yeah. There's, I can't remember if it's that one. I don't think it's a bug's life. Maybe I'm thinking of ants. I think I'm thinking of ants. Where they're at, the wasps? 
That's the ants. That's ants. Never mind. Yeah. No, That's Bugs Life is a grasshopper. I, like, I was having a hard time rectifying. The they two they of came them out basically the same time, did, which is yeah. kind of weird. Huh. But it happens a lot, actually. One kid allegedly picked the wings off the homeless bug. Yeah. But in the future, animals are starting to evolve into the dominant species. Humans are pretty much done. Which brings us to. Fast Mon- forward another 1,500 years. Yeah. <laughs> to Monsters University. Animals have started changing because of the radiation. Uh, they've evolved into monsters that accidentally wipe humans off the face of the planet. Now, the part of the theory that's not in our research here that I've heard before is that the Earth slash the monsters, the vehicles, everything cannot live without humans. They need the energy from humans to keep them alive, to keep them moving, to keep them growing human beings possess the spark of life that everything else feeds on the toys feed on their love the monsters feed on their screams or laughter well we'll get to that but that is a thing that cannot the humans are the key to life everywhere yeah there's something clearly that humans create that none of the other species have been able to i think it's an emotional energy That the other creatures feed on. When the humans were gone, the cars eventually died off. The, yeah. m- the machines almost died off. The only thing that kept Wally alive was his fascinating with all the human things that provided that little bit of emotion. And the cockroaches. If was, there wasn't a residual energy in the human things. Exactly. Right? So now we get to Monsters University, which is around 4,500. It says Monsters University is founded in 1313. It's using the monster's calendar, not the human calendar, which shows it took place almost 1,400 years after a bug's life. Uh, they're falsely taught that monsters, they part, the monsters taught that humans were toxic and from another dimension. This is a lie, but they're taught this lie because it's easier to tell the truth. They were worried about being erased from existence and altering history. So when we get to Monsters, Inc., Monsters and Machines didn't realize the mistake of getting rid of the humans till it was too late. They eventually realized that they were the, the humans are the source of energy they need to sustain life. So the machines helped solve that by using the doors as time travel. So they're not going to a different dimension. They're going to a different time period. And using the screams and eventually the laughter to generate the energy they need to continue to survive. But monsters are all trained to never touch humans, never bring anything human back, never let anything they were toxic to them, because if they took them, if they took him into their time period, it would change history, mm-hmm. which it did accidentally when Boo came into the world. Mm-hmm. And here's where everything wraps back up. Boo went to the monster's time period, loved Sully, and never, never got over being with Sully. She remembered the doors of the key to finding Sully. So later in life, she figured out how to time travel using the wooden doors, which goes back to the source of all magic, the Will of the Wisps. She creates the magic to find Sully by using wood. Wood is the key to the doors. Wood is life. By using the wood, you can do the time travel. She cannot control where she goes and what time. She just has to keep popping through the doors 
to try and find Sully. Mm-hmm. After dozens of years doing this, you realize that Boo is the witch from Brave. And the reason you know this is because there's a carved Sully and a carved pizza truck. The pizza Planet truck in her workshop at in Brave. So Boo is the old witch. She's been popping throughout history trying to find Sully, which is why there are so many Easter eggs of other things throughout the Pixar. And it's almost as if she's leaving herself markers to tell her that she's been here. Exactly. Right. So she's been planning Easter eggs specifically. One of the Easter eggs that she didn't plant, but it's kind of neat. When they send Randall through the portal at the end and then destroy the door. Yeah. They've sent him back in time to the same trailer that the Bugs Life Zapper was on, but much younger. Okay. An alligator, get it, and they kill it. They kill Randall, assumingly. (laughs) But it's the same trailer. Yeah. That's why when you see the Pizza Planet truck in a bunch of different movies, it go travels through the whole time. Because she loved pizza and she loved Sully. Uh, Flick and Heimlich show up in Toy Story 2. She might have accidentally brought them back in time with her. It's pretty crazy to watch it all come together. It's It's one of those things that when somebody proposes the idea to you and says, well, you know that all the Pixar movies are connected, right? And it's like, yeah, haha, they did, you know, they did some stuff that was like Easter eggs. Like, no, 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 there's a thing. And you initially go, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> sure. I'm sure they're not doing that. But people at Pixar are just messed up enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, they are just screwed up enough to do that. I mean, a lot of it is reusing models for things. For instance, the truck that picks up in Bounding is actually Mater. It's the prototype for Mater. Yeah. So we'll take off the hook. And slap the bed on that the sheep gets taken away in. That's Mater because they were using, they were doing cars yeah. when bounding was made. Yeah. And so they're using a lot of the same models and sculpts and stuff. But I mean, that's how you create a universe anyway, right? Of, of things that go together. And Easter eggs are really funny for that. And I'd, I'd like the idea that all the, even if it didn't all line up perfectly, which I'm sure there are some little inconsistencies that anybody can poke holes in but it's just fun to think of it that way and the fact that there's enough actual reality to everything or actual possibility to everything that it lines up this way and you can actually write the timeline down and go yeah hmm and it all comes back around to one simple character that wasn't even an early character for yeah that was much later yeah monsters monsters inc was later later in you know, in lore. The only other Easter egg that or actually doesn't egg. fit in with this, because it's an inside joke, it's not really a Pixar theory thing, is the A113. In every Pixar movie somewhere, you'll see A113 on a room, on a file folder, on a car license plate, oh. something. A113 is the room for intro to animation or animation 101. At, I think, Berkeley. Okay. And basically anybody who's an animator for Pixar has probably gone to this course in this room. So somebody said, hey, you know what? I was I spent a lot of time in this room. 
let's put this in this movie. This a thing, yeah. And then it became a running gag where they could find a way to hide it. Yeah. So anytime you see the, the numbers A113, it's again. a Pixar joke for amongst themselves. <laughs> so bad that I'm like, I need to watch all the Pixar movies just so I can find the A113 now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's there. <laughs> I think it's there in just about every one of them. And it's been uh, a running gag for the entire time. So there you go, folks. That is the Pixar theory. First of our pop culture conspiracy theories. We're about at that time where we should stop talking because this is a one shot. And we shall say goodbye. And we'll see you next time. Well, that question has been asked and answered, but we still need more questions. So please send any of your nerdy questions to Christian at frugaldutchman.com or join us on Facebook at TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us next time for more thoughtful answers to pointless questions. And we'll see you at the counter. counter.